Well, friends, it really is good to be with you this evening. So thoroughly enjoyed the praise and worship to God, which I've experienced the whole day through. My soul is soaring. And now we come to the high point of our worship this evening, which is the reading and the teaching of God's Word. Uh, We're going to be reading and then hearing a sermon from Psalm 10. Psalm 10, it's roughly in the middle of your Bible. you found the place, I'm going to ask, I'm going to read through the psalm and then we'll go through it verse by verse. If you found the place, could I ask if you would stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Church, I read Psalm 10 to you. Please pay attention to the reading of God's word. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush. In the villages, in hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you notice mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his hand. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice for the fatherless and the oppressed. So that man who is of the earth, may strike terror no more. Just so far in the reading of God's word, please be seated. Have we prayed? Let me pray. Father God, all man is like grass and his glories are like the flowers of the field. The grass, it withers and the flowers fall, but your word stands forever. 
This evening, Lord God, might we stand on your word. It is faithful, it is true, and it is sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. Might we take it now and eat it, bury it in our hearts, that, Lord God, we might be nourished from it and prepared for every good work, that you might receive much praise and glory from a people that have been set apart for you here at Arcadia. These things I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. move straight into the psalm. Psalm 10 verse 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 10 is almost certainly a psalm of David. So closely related to Psalm 9 and that has the notation, that has the note, a psalm of David. In order to understand the psalm, we need to understand something of the setting in which we find it. We need to understand something of the lawlessness and the violence in which Psalm 10 was written. We need to understand something of where it sits in the biblical narrative. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in untested perfection. And in the setting of everything being good, God set mankind to rule over his creation. But it wasn't long until the fall of man into sin. And through the sin of one man, sin has come to all men, and sin always bears consequences. After the fall, man had a severed relationship with God. Man had a severed relationship with creation. Man had a severed relationship with one another. Sin so quickly infected man and sin so awfully affected man that the very next story in the Bible spirals down into murder. Cain kills Abel. And from that point, the Bible narrative just goes from bad to worse to worst. Joel James, commenting on Psalm 10, notes that David was born into this lawless and violent world during the time of the judges. There was no police force back then. And there was no standing army back then. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was no deterrent to the violence in wicked men's hearts. And so the the nations around Israel faced Uh, 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 So the nations around Israel uh, were free to launch raids, stealing crops and flocks and women. And Israelite cities even joined in. They they would rob uh, caravans, trade caravans which passed by them. Outlawed gangs roamed the land. One of the judges, uh, Jephthah, was a gang leader. 
David himself led a gang of 600 mighty men around Saul's death. There were violent altercations between Israel's tribes which would quickly escalate even to the point of civil wars. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And it was in this lawless, this violent world that David cries out, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Does that sound familiar? We live in times of trouble. Evil men do evil things in our generation. Driving back to Benoni over the last week, more than once I have wept as I've listened to the trial of Intutuko Shorba, who was the lover of Tekofatso Pule, who was eight months pregnant when it seems he ordered a convicted killer, Muzikazi Malapane, to shoot her in cold blood and hang her body from a tree. But friends, we are a nation of victims. I say we're a nation of victims because it is unlikely that anyone here tonight hasn't been touched by crime, even violent crime. In South Africa, we are a nation that is robbed. We are a nation that is hijacked. We are a nation that is raped. And if these things haven't happened to you directly, it is more than likely that they have happened to somebody in close relationship to you. Where is God in all of this? And why doesn't he intervene? I don't think that David is accusing God yet, I think David is crying out to God, why, O Lord, do you stand so far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? He's asking the question that I imagined you have asked on occasion, does God care? After he asks this question, he goes on to ask the question, does God see? Now, I'm getting old. (laughs) I'm 45. I remember the 70s and the 80s. That's how old I am. I remember an 80s show. I don't know if it was a show so much as an insert uh, on a Sunday night called Police File. On Sunday evenings before the feature film, I I think it happened then. It might have happened on Sunday evenings before the kind of the 7 o'clock feature, which was an hour feature. Uh, They would show uh, a, a series of profiles of the most wanted criminals in South Africa. They would ask the question, have you seen this criminal? And they'd put a photo up of him. And they would tell you a couple of things about what he's done, who he is, and who he associates with. And then they would say, please don't approach the man. Report him to the nearest police station if you come across him. David asked the Lord if he has seen the lawless, violent, wicked men of his day. He does it in in seven steps. Work through them with me. The first is in verse 2. Let me read the verse to you. In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor 
Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. He calls them arrogant schemers. They're wicked, not by accident. These men are wicked by design. Not only that, read verse 3 with me. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. These are boastful curses. These wicked men chase after evil desires of their hearts, even while they reject and blaspheme the Lord. Instead of turning from sin to the Lord, these men turn from the Lord to sin. Thirdly, verse 4. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. These are pride-filled atheists. Like their father, the devil, they are motivated by pride. But unlike the devil who knows better, these fools doubt even the existence of God. Not only that, but fourthly, we read in verse 5 and 6, follow along with me. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs on them. He says in, the, in his heart, I shall not be moved throughout all generations. I shall not meet adversity. These men are blinded denialists. Friends, there are none as blind as those who will not see. These men look at the way that they are presently prospering. All over South Africa, there are men that are evilly, presently prospering, and they assume that they will always prosper. Even when enemies come against them, they snort at them. The judgment of God awaits them, but they assume that they will be spared. Not only that, but a, a fifth profile of these men in verse 7. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. His tongue are mischief and iniquity. These are tongue-twisted criminals. These men are foul-tongued. They are fork-tongued. They are poison-tongued. When you first come to faith, if you remember back to that great and glorious day, all you want to do is talk about Jesus and what he has done for you. All these men can do is talk about Crimes committed and crimes to come. Not only that, but in verse 8 and 9, read together with me. He sits in ambush in the villages, in hiding place. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws them into his net. The helpless are crushed. They sink down and they fall by his might. These are murdering predators. This so accurately describes the hijackers and the robbers of South Africa. A few years ago, I, I actually don't remember the date offhand, but a few years ago, I, I arrived home. The, the gate was open. Something didn't feel right. But I wasn't sharp enough to pick up on what was going on. I actually stopped the car outside of the gate, and I got out, and a, a man walked out and encouraged me to walk towards him. When I figured out what was going down, it was too late. He took out a gun. Um, he motioned to the gun and said, you need to come inside and you need to come inside fast. 
when I got inside, uh, my family was being ushered into a lounge, and everybody was laid down on the floor. They were bound up. Um, one of my friends that was there uh, was kicked. Guns were pointed to heads, and demands for cash was made. It was an incredibly scary experience. It illustrates what David is talking about here that he experienced in his day and age because the evil in men's heart is the same today as it was back then. These men lie in ambush. They seek to murder the innocent. They watch out for the helpless. They ambush people like lions and they seize on the poor. These are murdering predators and they're all over our country. And David in the psalm is crying out to the Lord and saying, where are you in times of trouble? And do you see these men? His last point is in verse 11. He says in his heart, speaking of these murdering predators, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. These are bewildered fools. Biblically, the heart is the seat of our emotions, our desires. It is the seat of our volition and our will. These men's hearts are broken. Instead of truth, they have believed a lie. The lie that they have believed is that God doesn't see what they are doing and God won't hold them accountable for what they have done. But David is asking the question, where is God in all of this? Why doesn't he intervene? Doesn't God care? And if he does care, has he seen the lawless, violent, wicked men of this day? Lastly, he asks, will God respond? Does God care? Does God see? Will God respond in verse 12 to 18? Read together with me in your Bibles. Arise, O Lord, O God. Lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account, but you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands, to you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his hand. O oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and to the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth might strike terror no more. David has just asked, does God see? And now he answers the question himself in verse 14. But you do see, friends, God sees. The wicked may act as if their sin is a private matter. They may deny the existence of God, but they fooled. They're fools because God sees 
everything. He is intimately acquainted with all they do. No one can hide sin from God. What's more, he keeps an account and will certainly deal with men according to his righteous justice. He sees. He sees the robber. He sees. He sees the hijacker. He sees. He sees the rapist. And as an aside, he sees you. David has asked, does God care? And now he answers the question. Oh Lord, you hear in verse 17. Have you cried out to God? Have you asked where he is in all of this? Have you asked why he doesn't intervene? Have you asked if he cares, friends? He hears your cry. I'm reminded of the book of Exodus, the the opening chapters of the book. During those days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from from slavery came from God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Note the activity of God. God sees, God heard, God remembered, and God knew. God is involved. David cried out to God because David knew that God hears the cries of his saints. David pointed out the sin of wicked men around him because David knew that God sees and he hates wickedness. David does all of this because David trusts vengeance to the Lord. Now I say vengeance to the Lord because this psalm is actually a little bit difficult to understand. David is very explicit in what he wants God to do here. You can see it in verse 15. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. Friends, David is calling down calamity from God. David is calling down destruction on these wicked men from God. David is calling for God's anger. David is calling for God's judgment on these wicked men. And this isn't the only psalm that David, a man close to the Lord's heart, does that in. In fact, there's so many psalms that David does this in that we give these types of psalms a name. We call them imprecatory psalms. David has a deep yearning for justice, especially for those who are most vulnerable in society and for those who had been mightily oppressed. And so David in the psalm entrusts vengeance to the Lord. He says, do justice to the fatherless and to the oppressed so that man who is of the earth might strike terror no more. God, wipe out the unrighteous. 
Wipe them away so that we might see your hand move and might marvel at your great judgment, your fury and your wrath. We will entrust vengeance to you. Does God care? From this psalm, we would say yes. Does God see? From this psalm, we'd say yes. Will God act? From this psalm, we would say yes. How does this apply? Does God hear? new convert. Friend, God can handle your cries of pain. He welcomes you to cry out to Him in the midst of your trouble. We live in a wretched, sin-corrupted, horrible world. When the consequences of Adam's sin visit you in whatever form they come, cry out to the Lord and he will hear you. Does God see to the backslider? Friend, God sees everything. The sin that you are so carefully nurturing and hiding from people around you is committed in the plain sight of a holy God. Repent from your iniquity, from your sin at once and return to the safe harbor of God's will before you invite his fatherly discipline upon you. Will God act? Believer. In this fallen world, wicked men exploit the poor, so trust and entrust vengeance to the Lord. This is an Old Testament and a New Testament concept. You can look up this evening Deuteronomy 32 35, Romans 12 19, Hebrews 10 30. They all say the same thing vengeance is mine. And recompense for the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. Those who reject God incur his wrath with their wickedness. He will avenge himself upon them in his own timing and according to his own perfect and pure motives. We can trust God to judge rightly and pour out his divine retribution against his enemies as he sees fit. Unbeliever. I believe that there's something in this psalm for you too. God sees your sin, vulnerable, as that might make you feel. And God is holy, and you will come to judgment one day and stand before him. And your plea at the foot of his throne 
can't be that you were somewhat better than the rotten, wicked scoundrels around you. On that day, the demand at the judgment seat of God will be perfection, and you have fallen short and sinned, of God, uh, fallen short of God's glory. But God hears the cries of his people even before they make it. Even before you cry out and ask the question, what must I do to be saved? That's what was cried out in Acts chapter 2 as the men of Israel realized that they had put Messiah to death and that he had risen from the grave and ascended to heaven and he was coming to judge the wicked and they were counted amongst the wicked. Even before that cry was made, provision for salvation had been made. You see, God himself has paid the price that your sin deserves. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, came into this world. He lived a perfect life, the life that you could not live. And then he died, not for his own sins. Friends, he died for your sin. So that as you cry out, what must I do to be saved? The answer is already there. Put your faith and your trust on Jesus Christ and you will live. Friends, God has already acted. Salvation has been provisioned in the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the text before us, the psalmist ends by praising the Lord who is king forever and ever. And that king, that Lord, is Jesus Christ who is king of kings and Lord of lords. And he is coming soon. He's coming soon to judge the dead, the wicked, and those who stand against him. But he's coming soon to collect the faithful, those who have put their faith and trust in him, his sheep, the children of God. Friends, this day, right now, immediately, rush to the cross. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you will live. God will hear your cry. God sees your need. God has acted. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we live in a world which is so dark, so sin-filled. And we do, we cry out to you, Lord God, for your people in South Africa. Would you bring the unrighteous to account? Lord, you see our land and you see our need. And Father, we do trust vengeance to you, knowing that you are faithful and just. At the same time, Lord God, we also recognize that in Christ we have received grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy. And so we thank you for our King and our Lord and our Savior. We worship him. We worship him now and we ask, Father God, please, according to your own goodwill and pleasure, would you save men and women from lives of sin? 
from lives of rebellion against you. The small sins, Lord God, that we don't judge so much. And the big, terrible sins, Lord God, that we look down on. Father, all fall short of your glory. Even now, Lord God, would you move in our hearts that we would look upon the person of Jesus Christ, see him and live. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. Amen.